As you know, uh, during Women's History Month, we have been dealing with a theme, the Black Woman's Anthem, Struggle, Strength, and Resilience. And my next guest represents not so much struggle, but strength, resilience, and at the top of her game. Her name is Val Whiting. She's a former WNBA player, two-time All-American NCAA champion at Stanford University. Hello, Val. How are you today? Hey, good morning. Thanks good. for having me. Oh, You know, I know it's a little early for you. Are you out in California right now? I'm in I'm in Seattle, but it's the same time. Yes, zone. It's, it's not early. I I get up. I'm an early riser. This is perfect. So tell me, you know, um, I I love athletes, and I I have so much respect for them, especially female athletes, because you guys go through so much, and you don't get the same kind of respect that some of your male counterparts got or, or get. And I was just looking uh, this morning, and I remember seeing over the weekend the story about the NCAA. Uh, Of course, we're in March Madness, and, you know, they're trying to keep everyone safe from COVID-19, and they're putting the players in a bubble. And when I saw that little paltry stand of barbells (laughs) in comparison to the beautiful weight rooms they gave for the men, I just couldn't believe it. And I was so glad that Stephen uh, Curry um, tweeted it out in support of you. What were some of your biggest struggles as a female athlete, Val? Well, when I when I saw that that whack weight room, I was first of all I thought it was a joke. I, right. I thought it was like I really didn't think it was real. And secondly, it took me back to um, 1992 when we won our second national championship. We had to play our semifinal game and the final game back to back to accommodate the men's schedule, the TV schedule. Wow. So can you imagine playing 40 minutes in a, a, a game that's I'm – I was a post player and getting beat up and body bruised up and right. then turn around and playing the next morning? No. So when – yeah, exactly. So when I saw that, that weight room, I just, it took me back to that time. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think we'd be seeing this kind of stuff in, in 2021. But it's and, and I can't remember, you know, I'm a little bit of a senior. I mean, isn't that what Title Seven was supposed to do to correct all of this? Yeah, Title uh, Title Nine. Title Nine, I'm sorry, okay. yes. But when, when I was reading up about it, it said that it was mainly for the institutions, like the colleges and the and the NCAA doesn't re, didn't really have to um um I can't think of the word. Promote that uh-huh. in terms of the, the equal weight rooms, right? But they want to promote the whole mission and, and they have a passion for Title Nine. And what they did was really showing a bad example and also giving a message out that you aren't valuable as a female athlete, and not just to the female basketball players that are playing, but women all over the world. Right? This was viral. Like what? I don't. I have two sons, but I had a daughter, and she saw that. Uh-huh. She, I, what was what would go through her head as a female athlete? Am I am I not as worth as much as my as my male counterpart? So they, I don't think they realized the message they sent um, was more than just not March Madness. It sent a, a wave of messages throughout all of women's athletes all over the world. 
Yeah, and and I and you know what it seems. I mean, let's just talk about the most elite athlete, uh, female athlete there is, and Serena Williams. I I don't understand the criticism she gets. They have net from you know there was I don't know who the gentleman was, but he was questioning whether or not that she should ever play again since she didn't win that that last open and was commenting on her body and that sort of thing. I never heard them talk like that about some of those has-been male athletes like that. And how dare you even talk about someone like Serena Williams who has accomplished more than most men would ever dream of. Why would you even contemplate when it's time for her to retire? It was so offensive to me. I I just, you know, and they actually talked about it on a lot of different programs. And I I just couldn't believe this is a woman that has accomplished more in her little finger and had a baby. You know what I'm saying? And the criticism never stops. It never stops. And that's what I hate when I see how female athletes around this country and around the world, as you say, are being treated. Yeah, uh, we've we've come so far, but we still have so far to go. Yes. And I, re- I remember when I was playing in the WNBA, um, Cheryl Swoops had just had her baby, and she was coming back. Uh-huh. And an and a NBA um, analyst, I'm not going to name your name, told right. her, uh, basically said, why are you coming back? Stay, stay at home. And she was like, who are you to tell me to stay at home? I'm a competitor. I, I'm I'm. I'm going to go out here and do my thing. I can do both. I can be a mom and I can be a baller. So that just that your story reminded me of of that. Yeah, and and so you were like in the earliest days of the WNBA, right? Yes, I. So when I graduated from college, which was '93, there was no women's basketball in the United States. Uh huh. So I had to go overseas, and then I came back in '90. And the American Basketball League formed the ABL. That league lasted for two and a half years. And at one time, we were going on at the same time as the WNBA. But that league folded, and then we all went to the WNBA. So I was in the WNBA from 99 to 2002 and played a total professional league eight years. Wow. And the WNBA was founded in 97. So right. yeah, I was in the early years. So I mean, this and and was what kind of sense of pride did you have, um, being in the you know being in the genesis of this professional league? Uh, what, what were your hopes at that time that this league would do for young girls and other athletes, basketball athletes around the world? What did what what did you think that you were doing? Why were why was it important for you to be a part of it? Well, it was important because I didn't have role models growing up that I could watch on TV. When I was a a kid, I didn't say, oh, I want to be a a professional basketball player. I wanted to be a doctor. And for me to be a role model meant a lot to me. I knew little girls were watching and young ladies would one day aspire to be just like us. Mm -hmm. So I took being a role model seriously um, on and, and off the court. 
and and I still do. Yeah, I I, I have a um, TikTok channel where I have. I was going to talk um, about prom- that. Yeah. Oh, okay. About a hundred thousand followers, and I call myself a cyber mentor because I I take pride and I take it seriously. Um, the advice I give out, even though TikTok can be silly, but you can give advice in a silly way, and I I can reach young ladies all over the world. So. Yeah, I was trying to be a role model then, and I'm still trying to present myself as one now. Oh, you make me feel so bad about myself because you called yourself a cyber mentor, and I call myself a cyber bully. We're talking to (laughs) Belle Whiting. Uh, Belle Whiting is just an amazing woman, former NBA player, and uh, two-time NCAA champion at Stanford University, and she was there in the beginning when the WNBA uh, came to fruition. And Val, tell our listeners, I mean, what do you do uh, on this TikTok channel? What, what, how do people, I mean, what do you give them? <laughs> I know, like, my, it's not like my mom, like, what do you do on that? Right, thing? see, I don't, I don't know anything about face chat and snapbook. I don't know anything about that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's um, short videos from 15 seconds to um, one minute. And what I, why I went on there is that, uh, well, I lost my job in my business because of COVID. Oh, I'm and, sorry. Um, well, thank you. But, but it, it provided me with another opportunity. Um, that's how that's how um, things happen. That's uh-huh. how God works sometimes. And I, when I was on TikTok, I noticed how a lot of young ladies were being bullied because they were athletes. And boys would, teenage boys would say, stay in the kitchen, go make me a sandwich, you're trash. And so, are I you serious? Oh yeah, it's it's bad. I don't I don't know what's going on with these young people, but it's bad. Um, it's 2021. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I was, I was, I was shocked. I was really shocked. And I would, I would go in the comments and like hype them up, like hype the girls up, and you know, say you're a queen, you got this, keep grinding. And so I decided to dedicate my whole channel, my, my page, to empowering the female athlete. So that's that's what I do. I, I call myself hype woman for the female athlete or mm-hmm. CEO of empowering empowering the female athlete. And that's what my page is. It's and it's. It could be used for anyone. I have boys that follow me as well. But I mm-hmm. do anything from motivational quotes to silly dances to funny skits to um, point of views. Point of views is like you, you're in a situation and they can they can see themselves and what you went through. So, for example, I've been the last person on the bench and didn't get in the game until 30 seconds were left. And a lot of girls can resonate with that. And I'm very transparent about my struggles as an athlete, um, including my mental illness when I was struggling with um, bipolar and, mm-hmm. you know, I was hospitalized three times as well because of that. So it, it's just, I'm raw there, but it, because of that, um, the kids appreciate that and have been more open and have overcome some things themselves because of that. I am so glad that you were so transparent about your mental illness. When did it start? Um, kind of surfacing was this when you were a student at Stanford because from all the mental health professionals I've ever talked to they said it usually starts somewhere about 17 18 till about 23 when did you notice that there was an issue when I look back I can see there was an issue when I was in college mm-hmm. but when I 
started to officially be treated or or at least ignore it uh-huh. was around um let's see that 23 23 22 age that's what people say but between those ages i just remember um when i was in college i had a a great friend uh, and I just loved her to death. And she moved off campus, and she was um, living with some girls that used to live on our floor. And, you know, I kind of thought that she was being bullied, but they just didn't know what was going on with her. And when I went to see her, I remember, because I used to, I'd see her every day when she lived on the floor, but when I went to see her, I I knew something was wrong, and I actually called her parents um, to come get her because she was, you know, just kind of spiraling. And and it's nothing to be ashamed of, and I'm just so glad that you are transparent about those mental health issues. Let me ask you this real quick. What were you doing before COVID-19? What was your business? I had an, uh, well, my side business was I had an after-school program where I would go into schools and teach kids basketball, but also use it to develop leadership and life skills. Oh, that's That's awesome. And I loved it. I loved it. Well, it's not, I mean, it's not over. I mean, it's a possibility that we'll get back to that again, do you think? Yeah, I I think so. I mean, schools here where I am opening next next month like mid mid april oh okay how do you like living in seattle <laughs> i'm i'm ready to move i don't see enough black <laughs> people here enough <laughs> black people here sorry <laughs> i got to go really yeah I'm, I'm from the east coast i'm from delaware uh-huh um, so i'm used to i'm used to just being around more of us it's, i think it's like three percent here three percent african-american that's in the state of Washington. barely anything I mean, yeah. you could you you could go a whole day and not see another black person. I guess some, at some point, uh, week week you could go a whole Where week. I live, yeah, all Where right. I live. So, I live just outside of Seattle. Yeah. Well, let me take. Um, we're going to take another break in a minute. But I I really am enjoying talking to you. You really are a fascinating uh, woman. I and when we come back, I want to talk about the um, importance of empowering young women. I just wish that when I was a kid that, I mean, I had role models, but they never, they never spoke to us. I never heard, um, how should I say, a voice that would empower me or, you know, that made me feel like invincible. I just had that based on you know, my parents and them telling me and teachers telling me what I can do, but didn't have a lot of people to reach out to. That's why it's so important that you do what you do, because we need to hear more voices like yours. And we had the opportunity to be talking to Val Whiting, who was a former WNBA player and a two-time All-American and a two-time NCAA champion at Stanford University. Why did you go to Stanford, Val? Oh, I always uh, had a fascination with California, uh-huh. you know, living on the East Coast. I always wanted to go to school in California. Mm-hmm. And um, when they first reached out, I didn't know where, actually, I didn't even know where Stanford was because when I was a kid, I only knew about the Ivy League because I lived in the Philadelphia area. Like right. Penn and Harvard and, and Yale. 
And so, and, and, also, and I wanted to be a doctor. I was going to be pre-med. Mm-hmm. So when someone said, oh, that's one of the best schools in the country, and um, they have a great medicine program, I, be, I became intrigued when they first, when they, after they reached out. Okay. And I got to meet the team. The campus is amazing. And the weather. So, yeah, it was, it was an easy choice after that. And so, and before we went to the break, we were talking about the importance of empowering uh, young people, not just girls in your case, but but um, young men and, and young women. What do you think is lacking in these kids today that that maybe we weren't lacking so much of? What What do you think? What, what do they need more of? Do you think that they need more nurturing? I think that um, from a parental perspective, I think that we don't allow our kids to fail. Um, my my dad was really good at putting me in situations where I got my butt kicked uh-huh. and I reacted and I adapted mm-hmm. and got stronger. Right. And I think a lot of parents now are trying to shelter their kids from those experiences and they grow up to be some, I was going to say some punk, you know what, but yes. never mind. That's- no, but I'm, but, but you know, that's, that's true. We, we raise our kids to be, to be soft. I, I, I mean, there are people raise their children and they they, there's a term for them called snowflakes. And, you know, if you are not number one, it's okay. If you're not the winner of the spelling bee, it's okay. These kids go into meltdowns now. I agree. Everybody gets a trophy. Um, everyone has to get acknowledged, and that's not that's not people that's think not that's real life coaching. Yeah, that's not real life. Mm-hmm. And and then they grow up to be adults and they experience failure and they don't know how to deal with it. So, if you're a parent out there, please don't shelter your child. Um, allow them to fail, like just like you failed. Yeah, it, it, it hurts. It hurts to see. I don't like to see my kids struggle and fail, but I know it, it's for his, for their personal development. It, it's a must. Let's go to D. D's on the line, and uh, D wants to talk to Val Whiting, who's our guest. Go right ahead, D. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having her on. Um, this is an important topic, and I want to say first, thank you to her for what she does in working with girls. And uh, I support women's basketball. But she may know that studies show girls who are involved in sports um, are less likely to be sexually active, less likely to become pregnant, do better in school, and have a higher self-esteem. And just one one other thing. Um, The morning host this morning talked about a situation that happened on 75th and Low. Mm -hmm. 14-year-old girl was playing basketball with a bunch of boys and apparently was beating them. And uh, so somebody shot her in the hand. What? Yeah. (sighs) Your morning host this morning related that story. yeah. And, 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 you know, I find that to be very disturbing that boys develop at an early age this mm-hmm. whole um, thought pattern towards females. Machismo, mm-hmm. this machismo. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, and so along with allowing kids to fail because it helps them to learn, we also have to teach our kids we are not 
opposite or we shouldn't oppose each other, but we should support each other. Right. So uh, congratulations to her and what she's achieved. And uh, when you get back to Delaware, keep doing what you do. Oh, that's so sweet. Thank you Thank so you, much, Dee. Let's go to Steve from the Gold Coast. I haven't spoken to Steve in a while. Hey, Steve. Hello? Yep. Go right ahead, Steve. Hello. Yes, uh, and I absolutely agree with you with regard to, uh, I think, uh, having raised a young generation of people who are, quite frankly, sensitive to everything and intolerant of anything that they don't find comfortable. Because the problem with that is that, you know, in a society that values pluralism, we accept the notion that there are going to be people who disagree with us. But having disagreed with something that I believe in, that doesn't give me the right to demand that you be fired, that you be extricated from society, that you know that you not uh, that you be ostracized. Uh, it's just this is what I think you know, a lot of the millennials and younger generations have, have internalized this notion that anything that is uncomfortable to me is illegitimate and cancel and culture. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. I, and, and, and that's the thing. You know, those of us who spend time, I, I, I come from a university background. Right. There are libertarians there who think that, you know, no government is per, is what we need. No regulation, everything will be just fine. Now, I ardently disagree with those individuals, but I'm not going to write to the dean and the chancellor demanding that they be fired. No, I want to debate with them in, in, in the marketplace of ideas, and let's see who wins. Let's see who's right and wrong. But the idea of starting down that road where we say, you know, you're, this idea is illegitimate, and you can lose everything for holding these positions or views. Where does that end? Because sooner or later, it's going to come to you and I and somebody else. Because, the, yes, I, I, I have no problem with firing a police officer who's reading racist material mm-hmm. and is employed as, as a Capitol Police officer. Right. I think that that, that that has merit. However, I do have a problem with the notion of, for instance, some, uh, somebody saying that, you have you believe in X, Y, or Z, and you you because you believe in those things, we should be able to terminate you from your your job, despite the fact that 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 may be something as simple as, for instance, arguing that I like to enjoy a hamburger. I'm not on board with the vegan ideology. <laughs> so does that mean that I should be I should lose my job because vegans want to want to cancel culture me? I mean, where does it end? And, 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 uh, and that's unfortunately the road we're heading down, I'm afraid. And, you know, Steve is a political science professor, so he, oh. he's been around for a long time. So, Bell, I'm going to wrap up with you, but I just wanted to say once again, it has been such a pleasure to talk to you. What, what do you see you doing uh, five years from now? I see myself having a facility um, where I use sports, to empower um, young girls. Mm-hmm. I, currently, right now, I have a, a mental skills training class, course coming up that I created for female athletes. So it's not anything about the physical side of the game. It's all about how you how you view the game, your identity, your confidence, overcoming fear. And I see myself moving more into towards that because we we train our kids. I mean, they, they can lift weights, they can take shots, they can run fast. Right? Are they mentally tough? Can they bounce back from failure? How do they handle mistakes? So that's that's what I see myself moving to. I see a book. That's what I got I, a book coming out. Okay. I got a book. <laughs> tell tell me. It's, it's, it's in progress. Okay. No, but I, I do. I see a book. I wish somebody would write a book saying, would you please stop mollycoddling these kids? You know, let them fall off the bicycle. Let them, you know, have that permanent scar on their leg like I have. 
it, it just makes you smarter and 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 a little bit more intentional. I, I'm going to tell you this quick story, Val. So I was um, the only black girl in my ballet class, right? And I had this uh, this teacher who really did not like me very much. And at the beginning of the class, um, she went to everybody, said, now you're going to get to go on point, you're going to get to go on point, you're going to get to go on point. And she skipped over me. Mm-hmm. And I had to go through that entire class heartbroken. So mm-hmm. I go home. I'm crying to my mother. I'm like, oh, Miss Feinstein, she hates me and all of that. And I, I was really um, beside myself. And my mother, who didn't really get involved in this sort of thing, she called Miss Linhoff, who was the owner of, of the school. And Miss Linhoff explained to my mother, which made sense to me, and, she could, and, and the, my teacher could have told me that. She said, Perry's ankles are too weak. If we were to put her on point, she would be crippled um, by the time she was 30 years old. But all you have to do is just explain to children what's going on. You don't have to make them feel less than or anything, but just talk to them. I I would have accepted that from the teacher. You understand what I'm saying, Perry? You're just not strong enough. How old were you? Um... I was 11, and I had been taking ballet since I was five. Wow. Yep. So, I mean, and, and, and it made me a stronger person. And just like the life lessons that you give to um, the people on TikTok, how do people follow you on social media, Val? Um, oh, thanks for asking. They can go to um, I Am Coach Val on, on TikTok and on Instagram is I am dot coach Val. All right. You don't mind if I call on you again when we talk about these different sports issues, do you? No, I, I love it. All right. I actually love hearing the people call in. Oh, okay. Amazing. All right, then. Well, we're going to do that. You're, you're completely on my radar now. Val <laughs> Whiting, former WNBA player, two-time all NCCA champion at Stanford University, and just a great person. Happy, happy Women's Month to you, Val. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right.